Before we dive into the Word of God, I want to take a moment to thank those who came to this building about two and a half weeks ago in between Christmas and New Year's when the floodwaters were discovered by Dave Chachka and a crew of you worked hard to push all the water that was all over this floor and beyond, going down the walls and stairs and and you and you you minimize the damage by squeegee shovels brooms pushing the water out the door and you worked hard and you moved stuff and i tried to enjoy the last half a day of my 3 day vacation in invermere with my family as all of that was going on um, but thank you and and dave and, and kendall connecting with the with the uh, restoration company and just uh, we as a as a church thank you and i thank you um and church family thanks for uh, for continuing to pray and i've had numbers of you express that you are and so god bless you for that but but thanks for continuing to pray into all that's going on in light of uh the situation uh, you know you know this in your own life there are things that come sometimes that appear to be roadblocks uh, interruptions and um, and they, they may be that to a point but none of those things none of those circumstances are a surprise to god as a church we know that no matter what happens the mission that Jesus has called us to and has filled us with his holy spirit for continues uninterrupted right and in our own lives as well our our spiritual enemy and there is one for real would uh he he'd want us to quit because things seem too hard or or for any number of reasons but but let's not let's not quit and give in to that lie. And and that applies in your family life, in your marriage, in your church connection, in your ministry that God has called you to serve in and certainly in your in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Quitting quitting accomplishes nothing except to bring a smile to Satan's face. So let's pray as we look to God's word this morning. God very simply our prayer today in this moment is open our hearts to the simple but powerful truth of your word now in Jesus name Amen As Maureen just mentioned a moment ago today is the first in a very long series of two Sundays entitled two big questions and and questions are a good thing if you have doubts wrestle with those engage them don't don't run from your doubts if you have doubt doesn't mean you don't have faith did you know that wrestle encourage you to wrestle with your questions ask your questions and hopefully you know that this church is a a safe place to ask those questions sometimes very difficult questions that, that you may have as i think maureen just mentioned next sunday is the question from god 
God's big question, will you trust me? And yeah, there's no live stream today or last Sunday because of the flood. And then next week because of the security issues, a global worker that works, as Maureen said, works in a restricted access nation, security risk. So we're not live streaming that, even though normally we'd be ready to go, but live stream will be back on on the 29th. But yeah, so, so make, sure, make sure you're here to hear uh, that, uh, that great message. The big question we're looking at today is our big question. God, do you love me? Do you love me? There's a, there's a lie. Not a, not a lie uh, of, of deception. But it's something that has become an easy to say phrase that you'll hear in churches. And, and out of good motivation. It's this, God accepts you as you are. God accepts you as you are. That, that's actually not true. Technically, if I can say that, that's not true. Now, stay with me. Stay with me. If God accepted us as we were, there would be no reason for Jesus. He would have died on the cross for nothing. The truth is that God loves you as you are. Not not as you could be or as you should be. He, he, He loves us as we are. That's an amazing thought right there, which is the focus of this message. He, he loves us even in all our sinfulness and our failure. He loves us so much that he does not leave us as he found us. And when we trust in Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross, there's an inner and, and supernatural transformation that takes place in our hearts. And it's that then that makes us acceptable to God. It's that which makes it possible for God to welcome us into his eternal family. And that's good news because because that means it's not on us. And this is a message you will hear often in this church because it's a message that is so clear in Scripture. That's good news because that means it's not on us to have to be good enough to be accepted by a holy God. Now, that doesn't mean God doesn't want to work in our character and cause us to become more like Christ as we trust Him. Uh, Of course. But we're only accepted by God because of the sacrifice that that Christ made of His life on our behalf. And so, so He loves us as we are, but accepts us because of what Christ has done. You might call that semantics, but I, I, don't, I don't think it is. And I hope that makes sense to you. And if, if you're wrestling with this, this idea, I'd, I'd love to chat further, so don't hesitate to reach out. But who hasn't asked God the, do you love me question? There's some, but I, but I think very few, actually, at some point. Think about the times when you have doubts about God's love for you? When does that typically come for you? Or has in your past? 
Is it after you've failed him again in a sinful and selfish choice that you've made? That's when doubt about God's love can, can easily invade our, our mind. And, and, and you need to know you're, not, you're definitely not alone in that. For others, doubts about God's love can come, maybe we could say more randomly, and, and sometimes all too, all too easily, sadly. And, and many times, that's because they've lacked, the, the individual has lacked the loving care of a parent. And if I can say, often, I think it's fair to say more specifically of a father in their growing up years. My friends, you, so, you know this. It, it's important, those of you that are Christ followers, you, you know. It, it's important to grow past your upbringing. That's easier said than done, I recognize, but, but important nonetheless. Don't let how your earthly father treated you or the fact that you had an absent father, don't let that sad experience of your past negatively influence how you perceive how your heavenly father values you or views you. That wouldn't be fair to him, would it? I, I want you right now, I want you to think about the times when you feel uh, very aware and, and convinced fully that God loves you deeply. And ho hopefully you have those thoughts. Hopefully you live in that space. When is it, specifically, that, that you feel that or that you become mo most aware of that? Is it when you're reading God's Word regularly? I would say quite likely that that's an outcome of engaging with God's Word in your life regularly? Or is it when you're out in God's creation, the beauty of it reminds you of God's power and, and, and he's created that for you to enjoy. He must love you. <laughs> maybe that's it for you. Or, or maybe it's when you, you're enjoying a visit over coffee with a friend who, who walks deeply with Jesus and you see God's love in them and you feel it. It's cool. Those are, those are, those are great things. So how is it? It's important, I believe, to, to identify for you how God's wired you. And there's some commonalities, obviously. But, but how is it that for you, you feel most loved by God? How is it that you intentionally remind yourself of the truth of God's deep love for you? Especially in those times when you know it in your mind, but for whatever reason, you just can't feel it in your heart. It's important. It's important to be able to put your finger on how... That seems to work for you and, and, and what causes your thinking to shift into, into line with God's truth. There's just some important food for thought there. It's a question that people who are not Christ followers ask as well. They, I mean, they may not even believe that, uh, that, that uh, a personal God exists, but if he did, they highly doubt that he loves them and You've heard it, as, as I have, many times they, they often, uh, they think that he's just angry with them. But when Christ followers ask this question, they know that God is perfect and they are not. And so their question is, how could he love me when I've fallen short of his perfect ideal so many times? They have this uh, misinformed and non-biblical idea of, of some type of performance-based love that God operates on and, and that, that somehow we have to earn it. 
Speaking of things that are obvious, as God's love is, and we'll, we'll walk through that and talk through that a little bit in, in the coming minutes, things that are obvious. Last fall, as the, as the geese were flying south, as they typically do, uh, I, I looked up again, as I often do, and watched, and you know, we, all, we know they fly in V formation, but have you ever noticed that one side of that V formation is always longer than the other? Why, why is that? Because there's more geese on that side. Lame, I know. Isn't it obvious? Sometimes the things that are so obvious, oh, we may not give thought to. <laughs> Silly. Illustration. I don't mean to minimize the struggle people have with, with being fully convinced of God's love for them, but the, the evidence is so obvious if we'll just open our, our, our eyes and our, and our hearts and our minds to it. And that's what I hope will happen this morning. And for, for, for many of us, if we, if we walked with Christ, we've been a Christ follower, and we've heard this message time and time again, it is so easy to let this just kind of float by without any heart impact. I pray that doesn't happen for any one of us, myself included, in these moments. For others, this is, a, this is a message that will, if you'll open your heart to it, for some, will, will revolutionize your life, your eternity, your future. Well, it will for all of us, but, but maybe for you today, for the first time, you will see and truly believe and as a result, surrender to the God who created you and that you are disconnected from. But seeing his love and the expression of it on the cross as your way back to God. And it is. He made it that way. Today's your day. For your eternity, or your, for your eternity to be different. Because you came to see God's love and responded to it and to him. Please don't believe the lie of God's enemy, Satan, who absolutely wants you to believe that God does not love you. Because if you believe that lie, you'll eventually give up on your relationship with God. Or if you're not a Christ follower yet, you will likely give up on pursuing answers to your questions about God or you know, about what it means to be a Christ follower. And, and that's exactly what God's enemy, Satan, wants. I caution you, be aware of that. And so before we look at three very simple statements, but powerful statements, uh, things, I'm, statements that I'm calling evidence that's biblically obvious, I do want us to be reminded that God does not love us because we're deserving recipients of his love. None of us are. None of us. We, we, we're born, the Bible says, with a sin nature that keeps us relationally disconnected from God until we address that problem by surrender to Him. Romans 3, 23 and 24. 
powerful couple of verses. It tells us everybody sinned. Everybody falls short of God's glorious ideal. Verse 24, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. A penalty that we all deserve to bear, actually. But because of God's love and grace, we're, we're delivered from that. It was put on Christ. And then in 1 John 4, a couple of verses there that just speak so, so, so clearly. They, they say it outright in three simple words. Uh, God's character. God is love. He hates sin, yes. He hates our sin, yes. Because he knows, because he knows what it will do. In our lives, in our minds, in our relationships, and ultimately that it will keep us eternally separated from Him. He does not want that, and so He hates sin. And He went to great lengths to address that problem caused by sin of eternal separation, right? So many of you, you know this. God's late nature is love, and His punishment for sin put on Christ is, is actually... An expression an, or an act of his loving character. Wow, for us. There's going to be in, the, in these three points, and they're, they're, they're each quite brief, but there's going to be more scripture, I would say, than, than normal. And I'm, I'm just praying that the words that this morning are, are directly from God's word will speak powerfully to each one of us today. I believe fully in the powerful word of God doing its work. And, and, and some of you, I would encourage you, you, you need to write down all of these Bible references so you can go in the weeks and the days and weeks ahead and read and reread and let God speak to you in new ways if this is something you're, you, you've been wrestling with or have wrestled with. You can write the scriptures down. Three brief but biblical statements. First of all, God loves what he created. God loves what he created. Genesis 2-7 talks about it. The Lord God made man out of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. How cool must that have been? I mean, God wasn't surprised by his power to do that. Don't get me wrong. But, ah, human, living. God put a spirit in that human creation, unlike any other part of his creation, so that human being, spirit, God, spirit, could have communion and fellowship and enjoy life and eternity in relationship together. Mind-blowing. And then uh, Jason, uh, uh, Genesis 2, 21 and 22, the, the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he took one of his ribs, and closed up the flesh in its place. And then the rib which the Lord had taken from man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. That was a good day for the man. That was a good day. And, and, and this is different. These, this act, these acts of creation here that I've just referenced from Genesis 2. A different type of creation, really, from what uh, he... Or in the early chapters, or sorry, early verses of chapter 1 of Genesis, verse, verse 24 or 25, whatever it is, verses there, uh, where he just, he, he, not just, <laughs> he just spoke it, but for him it was. It was 
just spoke trees and, and animals and mountains into existence. Uh, but, but here in, in Genesis 2, God takes special care. We can see it. He takes special interest in his human creation. And that's you as well. It's, it's, like, he's, it's like he's adding his personal touch to the whole thing. I don't know why he chose the rib. Oh, there's some metaphors that preachers have tried to make, and some of them make sense, but that, I don't know. It's interesting. But we see God's personal touch in this creation act. It's what we also see in Genesis 1:27, where God created human beings in his own image, and, and I, male and female, he created them, our we need that message again, don't we, in our, in our culture today, really? In, in his own image, male and female, in his own image, he created them. That, that, that does not mean we're mini-gods of some kind. No. It means things like having a sense of right and wrong, having intellect and the ability to reason, having emotion like God does. It means things like uh, us being... Personal beings, meaning that we have the capacity to relate to others as God does and to Him. We, we have a will and the freedom to, to choose, to make choices as God does. And along with all that, God also originally created us to reflect Him in our world, but sin messed that up. But through the gift of Jesus, that's restored and we can display God's compassion and grace-filled character to people in our world. All this is what it means to be created in the image of God. But God loves his human creation. He, he, he loves what he created. And, and he wrote it clearly in the New Testament, the powerful words of, in John 3, 16 and 17 that so many of you know so well. And just yesterday I was re reviewing this passage, of verse 16 at least, with my grandson. And I just looked at him and I said, Cruz, these are the most important words that you could ever hear. I never get tired. I grew up in this stuff. I never get tired. Oh, have I taken words like this for granted at points in my life? Sure. But really, to this day, I never get tired of hearing the words. God so loved the world, Marlowe your name in there, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish or, or, or be eternally separated forever from God, as I described to Cruz yesterday, but have eternal life. For God, verse 17 is a good addition, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. It's quite obvious from these words that are from God's heart. It's quite obvious that he loves his human creation, of, of which you are a part, <laughs> as I'm sure you know. Second statement, God's love for us is shown in his attention to detail. And in this point, we're simply and only going to hear directly from God's word, three references. And, and so please, again, for some of you, you know these, these passages really well. Intentionally in this moment, choose to, I'm open. Speak through your word, God. Focus intently on these words from, from the Bible right now. Psalm 139, the first six verses. Oh, Lord, 
You've examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down, when I stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I am going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. Few verses later in the same psalm. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered, referring to his precious thoughts about you, right? I love it. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. Why? Because they outnumber the grains of of sand. And we can assume the grains of sand in the world. You've walked on a beach, haven't you? That's mind-blowing. And then Matthew 10, New Testament. Not a single sparrow, Jesus said, can fall to the ground without your Father knowing it. And the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Some of you may think sparrows. <laughs> God loves them. He created them. You're more valuable. God loves. God's love for us is shown in the attention to detail. Weaving us together in the womb of our mother. And... Uh, a powerful verse in this day and age of the whole abortion thing, hey? Third statement. God's love is shouted loudly to us. God's love is shouted loudly to us through Jesus Christ. All caps. <laughs> I love you. Not an angry shout, but a shout of I love you. And again, don't, don't, don't let this just float by you if you've heard this all your life. It's easy to be nonchalant and say, yeah, I know. God shouts across his universe, I love you. American pastor Tim White shares about his son Ryan who in the first 15 years of his life had over 30 surgeries for a particular medical condition. And when he was about eight years old, this boy Ryan, he was in the hospital again, yet for another surgery. And on that particular day, the medical staff, White writes, came into his room where we were, and on that that day, proceeded as they had done before to roll his bed down the hall to the operating room. Pastor White said, as usual, we 
went as far as the, the two big doors. And we had to stop, like you, know, like you see in the movies, right? He said, on that day, as those doors opened, our young Ryan sat up in the bed. He looked me in the eye and he pleaded loudly, Dad, don't let them take me. White said at that moment, my heart was broken. I would have done anything, he writes. As a dad, I would have done anything to take him off that bed, except I knew that he had to have that surgery. Although that knowledge, he says, didn't ease the pain in my heart. He said, as Ryan, his, my young son, disappeared behind those doors, I, I broke down in tears. Like many parents would. While he was, while Pastor White was waiting for the surgery to finish, he, he was praying. And in those moments, White said that it dawned on him that God the Father had, had gone through the same thing. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed, Father, if there is any other way, let this cup of suffering pass from me. In the language of a child, those words were, Dad, don't let them take me. But Jesus then added, not my will, but yours be done. Of course. Pastor White reflected on this. He says, I allowed the surgeons to take my son for his own good. God allowed the crucifiers to take his son for our good. That's how much God loves us. God the Father's willingness to sacrifice His Son and God the Son's willingness to, to, to go to the cross and give His life for it. it, 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 it. It's God, it's God shouting throughout his universe, I love you. Put your name in there. Every one of you, I love you. Romans 5, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time, died for us as sinners. Most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. Verse 8, but God showed his love, his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And Romans 8, classic, classic verses. I'm convinced, Paul says, I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, angels, demons, uh, neither fears for today or worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation, will ever be able to separate us from the love that God, of, of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Receive that today. Open your heart to that word and his love today. 1 John 3.16, we know what, is, what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. Not because we earned it somehow. Because we can't do enough to earn that kind of love that, that is complete and, 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 and eternal. I close with this illustration from the movie Saving Private Ryan. I've shared this, I think, once before. It's hard to believe that was 25 years ago, and, and you're officially old when you, when you say something like that, so just being honest. But in that movie, 
many years ago. Tom Hanks plays, as many of you know, he plays the role of Captain John Miller who uh, was given the task of bringing Private Ryan safely out of enemy territory and getting him safely home after three of his brothers had died in combat. Captain Miller would end up sacrificing his life, dying to, to make that happen for Private Ryan and, and his family. And he's, he's dying on the bridge in that scene. Some of you remember the scene. Captain Miller, puts, pull, he, pulls, he pulls Private Ryan close and, and just says, you remember? Earn this. Earn this. And there's a scene many years later at the, at the military cemetery, and by then, an, an, an old private Ryan bends low to Captain Miller's white cross at his, at his gravesite, and yet again reflects on the words, earn this, that Captain Miller had spoken to him so many years ago as he was dying on that bridge. Private Ryan's wife walks over, and he, he gets up and he turns to her, and in somewhat of, a, somewhat of a desperate way, he asks her to tell him that he's led a good life. Tell me I've led a good life. Tell me I'm, I'm a good man. He, he wants to know that he had finally earned the freedom and the rescue that was given to him by Captain Miller sacrificing his life. That's understandable. But it's Sad, really, if we carry that thinking process over to opening our hearts and receiving God's love. When we, when we feel that we need to earn God's love. Think about it from a parent's perspective. From a, from a, from a good parent's perspective. A good parent knows that there is, there is nothing our children ever need to do to earn our love or any sacrifice that we as parents might make for them, right? Many of you know that. And, and God's love for you and me is a universe bigger than that. God never says, earn it. He doesn't. He doesn't. No, he, he, he just says, receive it. Accept it fully. Enjoy it. Live in it. Now and for eternity. You may hear him saying this to you today. And it's kind of almost like it's for the first time. Maybe it is. You hear him saying, accept my forgiveness for your sin and, and start a relationship with me because of what my son Jesus did on the cross for you. Oh, and then from there, we, we, in a relationship, we, I'll endeavor to sharpen you. Yes. I'll endeavor to help you reflect my love in good deeds and make a difference in your, in your community, in your world. But it's not doing those things that has brought you into that relationship. That comes after. Just come to me. Because the gift of my love and forgiveness 
is eternal. And it's free as far as you're concerned. It cost me a lot. It cost my son a lot. But for you, it's available freely. If you want to receive Christ's love, if you want to receive his forgiveness, it involves recognizing his holiness and the awesome character of who God is and and repenting of your sin like every Christ follower needs to do. And surrendering our life and our eternity. And exchanging, really, our our sin for, for his righteousness. And in that moment, we were, it's, the Bible refers to being, being clothed in the, the righteousness of Christ. Not by the things I've done, but, but Jesus Christ is perfectly holy. And so when, when I receive his righteousness, by, by a simple act of faith and, and, and expression of desire and surrender, I stand before God the Father, the perfect, holy, eternal judge of the universe, needing not to fear at all. Because in that moment, And for eternity, I live in the truth, the beautiful, powerful truth that Jesus bore my penalty on the cross for my sin. If you want to surrender your life to Christ today, I'm going to to ask, in this moment, I'm just going to ask you to to bow your heads. Christians, I'm going to ask you to pray because there might be somebody or, or numbers of people in this room who are at the point of saying, I want to surrender my life to Christ. And if that's the case, that, that's, that's phenomenal. That's exciting. And this is the core message. This is why we do what we do in ministry as a church. To present this powerful, eternity-shaping message of hope and grace found only in Christ. So I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads. and to, to Christ followers, to just pray with me in these moments. For those that may be making the most important and and most exciting decision that that could ever be made. And I'm going to just humbly ask you to to, to raise your hand and look my way. I'm not going to call you out, but I'm going to just, I'm going to pray for you as we close. And in this moment, that's just just kind of an outward expression of of what's going on inside your heart. Of a a desire to surrender your life based on the, the simple truth of God's grace message of grace that you heard this morning to give your life to Christ and surrender to him in these moments. So as I look around this room, if you're saying, I want to, I'm surrendering my life to Christ today, I want you just to raise your hand and look my direction briefly. Give you a moment. God knows every heart in this place. That would be awesome if every one of us were saying that we are a Christ follower headed for an eternity with God, our creator, because of God's grace through Christ. That would be awesome. But maybe you're in the process of, of, of trying to connect the dots on this Christian message, on the biblical message of God's grace and forgiveness and salvation. Like Keep, keep, keep asking your questions, as I said earlier. Keep seeking. 
Get a, get a New Testament. If you don't have a Bible, let us know. I want, we'll love to give you one. Read uh, the Gospel of John. Learn about Jesus and who he is and why he came to this earth. Keep going in that search for Christ. Father, I thank you. And, and, and so many in this room today, thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, that showed us your amazing love as he came to the cross and rose from the dead for us. Lord, I pray that this simple message that sometimes we've taken for granted probably would just continue to shape how we live, how we think, how we interact, the priority we place on relationships that matter to you. God, every aspect of our life would be impacted by who you are and who you want to be in our lives. I pray your blessing and your strength on each person in this place today. That this week would be a week in a new way where they would see evidence of your amazing love, deep, unconditional love for them. And we give you thanks for this. In Jesus' name, amen.